Welcome, everybody, to Wednesday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. Glad to be back in our digs after a one-night excursion out to Fuddruckers last night. Fun to be out there, but even better to be back in studio. No burgers, no shakes. I know that will disappoint our guest. I'm your host, John Harris, alongside the man who, well, when it comes to Fuddruckers, he has mm. a plan. There's no question about that. You hear yep. in our promos. The man has a plan. Well, Mark Vandermeer has a plan every time he goes to Fuddruckers. Yeah, I do. I, uh, I do every the burger, time. bacon, Swiss, burger, fries, half a shake, split it with DP. I missed you guys last night because there was a special Texans dinner yeah. uh, in advance of the special Texans golf tournament for the foundation on Monday. And it was good. Brian Gang was out there, several players. But I know you guys had fun at Fuddruckers. And you know I'll be out there soon enough, Johnny. I mean, this is yeah. it's funny because I said this at the dinner last night. After the draft, you feel like the year really gets rolling. Right. You know, here right. we go, OTAs in a few weeks, and before you know it, long break, the desert we call it between <laughs> mini camp and training camp, and then yeah. you're off and running. And I can feel it. You know, I can feel. It. I'm not going to sing, but I can feel it. It's out there, and you look at the squad. You're starting to get the, a good picture of what this squad might look like. But I wrote an article about this on HoustonTexas.com. There are at least a couple of position groups that are kind of. You know, some you have some lo- luxury problems, if you will, in one yep. of them anyway. Another one, you really don't know what's going to happen, but it's going to be interesting. We, well, I mean, we talked Saturday during the draft, but mm-hmm. you haven't been on with me on Monday or Tuesday yeah. to really kind of give your 30,000-foot view. I know you talked about in Vandermeer's view, but for those people that like to listen as opposed to read, your 30,000-foot overall view of the draft in 2018 for this team. Well, you know, the draft is like this. After the picks are made, you can build a case for or against a lot of picks for right. every team, maybe. Right. And we look at it from the Texans' perspective, of course. And you could say, all right, I could see how this guy would fit here. I could see how that guy would fit there. you got to remember, the listeners have to remember, I know you know this, but that with health, this is a really good team already. Yeah. I mean, or everyone has to agree, at least a good team yeah. already. You add pieces, parts to a good team, and if they're the right ones, you're going to elevate their level of play even more. You know, So we've all said this throughout the entire offseason. Health is crucial for this team, especially to one individual in particular. But now you add Justin Reed, who was really not expected to be there. And I think Brian Gaines just thought, Reed's here. Let's yeah. go. I mean, yeah. he's the number one guy on my board by far right now. I didn't think he was going to be here. I thought I was going to pick so-and-so in this spot, or, you know, he probably had a group of players in mind. But Reed dropped, as safeties often do, because people aren't necessarily lo- necessarily looking for them. They're looking for harder-to-find positions. Sure. And all of a sudden, Reed's there. Go ahead, take him. So I, th- I thought that was a really good pick right there, and, and probably a pretty easy one for Brian Gaines' first-ever yeah. pick. And then you look later in the third round. I think people were surprised about the tight end. I think people were not exactly surprised about Martinez Rankin. But everything that I've read and seen and I listened to you and other people, they seem to think that this guy has the ability to play either right or left tackle, potentially left tackle. And we'll see how it all works out. I mean, Jordan Akins, I like what I see on tape, you know, and I like the fact that he's such a great athlete. And let's just see what Bill O'Brien does with him, you know. And then you look down the line. I love Kiki QT. I just think that this is the type of player that can fit in and do all the sleight of hand Bill O'Brien offensive stuff with Watson, the end arounds that you see Ellington doing and stuff like that. I think that he can be very productive for them. He catches the ball well. I know it sounds ridiculous to say, but it is important. Uh, He's made some big-time deep plays for Texas Tech. 
He'll fit right in with this bunch. And I think yep. Watson is the right quarterback to get him the football. Who wouldn't want to play in this offense with Watson? So I really like that pick. And then down the line, it looks like they got a bunch of guys who can really help. Yeah, there's and the six-round guys that you look at, Peter Kalambayi and Duke Edgefor and then Jordan Thomas, which <laughs> that moment in the draft will always – It'll always hit me because you were like, well, the Texans got their blocking tight end. And I said, well, he played receiver out at Mississippi State. And mm-hmm. he might have been the only 280-pound receiver in Mississippi State history. But once that pick was made, Paul kind of looked at me like, well, he played receiver. And so I pulled up one of his games. And I, the very first play of that game, he runs a 15-yard dig route. And it looks like a wide receiver. Yep. And it really isn't until you get close a close-up shot where you go, that's a big dude. Yeah, That's a big dude. Now, obviously, he'll play tight end what kind of tight end he plays whether it's y or u or f he probably can play them all um i think that's that might be the difference he just has to learn how to be an effective blocker and if he can learn that he's gonna find time on this field as a six-round pick they need bodies and i know they just cut a couple of guys they cut ryan malik and zach conk but they still need bodies in there Andre texted me about Jordan Thomas saying he really likes this yeah. pick. He's seen yeah. Mississippi State a bunch being an SEC broadcaster for ESPN, and he really thinks he's going to fit in. Gain wants to turn him into a blocker. Bill O'Brien does, but a blocker and a pass catcher. Yeah. And I think that, you know, it got so ridiculous with, the, with all the injuries to tight end last year. Yeah. The ridiculousness of the injury-riddled position group, that one in, in particular, was highlighted by when they had one of those instances where two offensive linemen, extra ones, were yeah. in the game, so you had seven offensive linemen. And this wasn't the Cincinnati game. It was another one yeah. where one of the tight ends, they ran a play where one of the tight ends, offensive linemen, actually went in motion and yeah. set up on the other side. And I thought, this has just gone too far. I mean, yeah. like, oh, I better go with him because I need to cover him. And we were joking about it with Bill O'Brien on yeah. his show the next day. Yeah. But that's how bad it got with injuries. Yep. So you have a healthy – now you have Jordan Thomas, who is big enough to block – and. Brian Gain talked about want to. He yeah. has the want to. Yes. You know, it's not just does he have the size, does he have the desire. Because as you right. know, just because you're big doesn't mean you like to hit people. Right. But if he likes to hit people and they just they just didn't use him that way, all right, great. The Texans will use him that way. Yep. Let's see how he fits in. And he doesn't necessarily need to block all the greatest pass rushers in the world. We'll see how they use him. Yep. So maybe they can create matchup problems with Aikens and Ryan Griffin and Steven Anderson, and then you throw in Jordan Thomas. You know, now they got four guys right there, right off the bat. Michael Pruitt's still here, by the way. Right. You know, but And you have a lot of names on this roster that people might not be that familiar with, but they got a lot of, a lot of bodies here. And yeah. We'll see how they sift through them in these various position groups. Only two. Peter King pointed out in his article that it was three, and that obviously would not have been right, and it isn't right. They only did draft two, but – Drafting two made a lot of sense. When you he think said about, they drafted three tight ends? Yeah, he said he said it was odd the Texans drafted three tight ends. Well, I said, oh my it, God. I said it isn't so odd once you consider, A, there were only two. <laughs> Secondly, there were games that were played last year with no tight ends. Right. Or one, if you, depending on how you classify Steven Anderson. I can't Steven believe he Anderson. said that. And then, and then I said, and also Bill O'Brien learned how to use two tight ends better than anybody. And I said, oh, by the way, Baltimore took tight ends in the first and third round. So, yeah. <laughs> So is that odd? Relax. I, I mm-hmm. just, that was a little. That was a little. Uh, I just thought that was a little different, but uh, and unnecessary. But either way, you know, I, I understand he's taking a national view at it. I just had to make sure that, as, as Eric San Asensio put, he just retweeted with the word facts, and that, it was. It was just here's the here are the facts. So that said, when I think about adding Thomas and adding Aikens, oh by the way, Aikens will wear eighty eight, and I believe Jordan Thomas is going to wear eighty three, which is good. 
if they can wear their college number, I'm good. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll never forget them if they wear their college number. That's, but, you're good with that. I'm good with that. But Justin Reed's going to have to change numbers. It's going to take me a few. It's because he wore eight, number eight. So yeah. you get so used to seeing him in that number. And then Wait, who's wearing 88? Aikens. Aikens, so he'll have Garrett Graham's old yeah. number. And then Thomas. I would assume Thomas is going to wear 83. That's what he wore at Mississippi State. We you never know. We don't have an 83. Because mm. Kevin Walter's old number. I know, but all of our receivers have worn numbers in mm-hmm. the 10s. Oh, I know. Hopkins, 10. But there's nothing left, I think, because of all the guys on the roster. I know. It's gotta be the, he's got to be in the 80s. Mm-hmm. they got to start moving numbers to the 80s. All right. Now, Kiki wore 82 when he was at Texas Tech. Then he wore 20, and then he wore 2. So who knows? So I, I don't know. Could but be a lot of different I, I've got a feeling with his speed, we'll be able to find him. There's no doubt about that. The The rookies coming in, Mark, obviously things start changing and impacting the depth chart. Mm-hmm. I said when this draft was – before the draft, somebody asked me, 2018 NFL draft will be a success. And I said, if there is a starter amongst this group. Okay. As you look at – let's take the first – let's take the three third-round picks. And well, let's take Kiki as well. Let's take those four picks. Any of those guys do you think are immediate starters? How do you think what happened during the draft affects the depth Well, it chart? depends here uh, with this. Am I starting three receivers? Because I think Kiki's got a shot to start as yeah. the third receiver. Okay. I think Ellington is going to be healthy. He will be heard from, there's no doubt, but it'll be a competition. And QT is the kind of kid who's up for the challenge, and we'll see how it shakes out between he and Ellington. Yeah. Ellington himself, a fourth-round draft choice once upon a time. Right. So this is not out of the realm of possibility. He's a more polished pro, obviously, right. and he's eager to stay on, and it doesn't mean he's not going to stay on even if he doesn't start as the third receiver, as the slot receiver. I still think he'll get a bunch of playing time if he's here. But Reed is probably the most obvious answer because you had a need there at safety. You have the honey badger. I said in my article, the rookie and the honey badger, and doesn't that sound like an 80s kids movie? The rookie (laughs) on tonight's episode of the rookie and the honey badger. The rookie gets caught in a fence and honey badger gets him out. That's one of your best ones ever. That's really good. But that could be your starting safeties right there, the rookie and the honey badger. Uh, but Andre Howe's going to have something to say about it. He's the elder statesman at safety in the sense that here, as far as Texans are concerned, he's the eldest in the safety group. Or I should put it this way, longest tenured Texan because he was drafted in the class right. of 2014. At the event I was at last night, the players there were Nick Martin, Brennan Scarlett, Andre Howe, Braxton Miller and DJ Reader and Andre Howe was the old guy. He's the old class guy of 2014. That's nuts. Yeah, and things have changed. You know, the roster turns over. We talk about this kind of stuff all, all the, time. the time. But I think that safety competition is going to be hot and heavy. And then guys like you, people tell me, well, Honey Badger could still play some corner if you need him to. If you need him to, well, but do you really need him to? You got J. Joe. You got Aaron Colvin. You got Kareem. You got Kevin Johnson. Imagine I'm not what a healthy Kevin Tyron Johnson outside. could do. What's that? I'm not putting Tyron outside. Right, but you I'm might put him in the slot. I might put him in the slot, sure. Right. I but, might do that, yes. But Colvin, where does Colvin go? See, I play Aaron outside. You play him outside? I play, I play Aaron outside. I think he I think he would, uh, I don't want to say adapt, because his entire life he's played outside, except right. for when he went to Jacksonville. He went inside because they had they had Boye, they had Ramsey. Well, he was going to play inside. But who the heck covered Chris Hogan in the AFC Championship game when they went man? Aaron Colvin. Aaron Colvin. Yeah, so, so he can do and it. And how often has Chris Hogan hurt the Texans? A lot. But to your point, look at this. Outside, everybody's healthy. you got Kevin Johnson, Jonathan Joseph, Aaron Colvin, right? right? Mm-hmm. So somebody's sitting. Right. 
right? If everybody's healthy, right? Then inside you got Kareem, Honey Badger, you know, or, or you could move Colvin Justin inside Reed if he's inside. the best guy to play at that spot. Right? Because let, let's say what if what if your four best healthy are J. Joe, Kevin Johnson outside, then you get Colvin inside, then you get Honey Badger at safety. I'm going nickel here, right. and the other safety is Reed or Andre Hal. Right. But you know, either one of those guys, you have a, a big name on the bench. You could have Reed or Andre Hal on the bench. You could have Kareem on the on the bench. You have some luxury problems here as long as everybody continues sure. to perform up to their capabilities. And I think that's great for the secondary. I haven't even mentioned Corey Moore, who started a bunch for your team right. the last couple of years. I haven't even mentioned his name. So now look at what you got here. This is going to be really interesting. And, of course, Jermaine Kelly's the seventh-round draft choice. Who knows about him? Right. Based on exuberance alone, I would say that he's going to work out great, but yeah. that's not what it's all about. Now, I I am making, I'm making this suggestion. I think forever forward, that we should think of the secondary instead of corners and safeties, yeah, as outside corners, inside corners, mm-hmm. and safeties. Three, three, literally three positions. Like when they split up for individual, the outside corners go here, the inside corners go here, and safeties go here. Completely just changing it to that. And your inside guys are Kareem and Justin Reed. Your outside guys are Kevin Johnson, J. Joe, and Aaron Colvin. And your safeties are Andre Howe, Corey Moore, Tyron Matthew. And then, obviously, we'd fit everybody else in. Jermaine Kelly would be an outside corner. You know, right. That's where we'd try and play him. And six, we haven't mentioned Tristan Decoux. Right. You know, so, but Which, even, to me, I've said I think Tristan moving to safety wouldn't be a bad situation at all. But even in that world where you change everybody's position title, yeah. you still have guys sitting on the bench who are the, yeah, names no, no we doubt. know will be sitting on the bench, which is a right. great situation for – Anthony Midget, as he comes in, first time, the guy as the secondary coach as he looks at the players he has to work with. I think that position group is in great shape right now, assuming people are healthy, which here around here might be a big assumption, yep. but we'll see how that works out. I am wanting to blow up the the nomenclature of the depth chart, just completely mm-hmm. blow it all Let's up. Let's do it. That's what I'm doing. Mark, appreciate you stopping by. Thanks, Johnny. Drew Doherty. Oh, wait. No, i got to stop right there. Welcome back to Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, about to join me, Drew Doherty, and the two of us. Well, I'll let Drew introduce it. This is something he came up with. Is the rookie who was drafted in the first round by the opponent the Texans will play, Hmm. is he going to sit or are we going to see him? Right. Texans open up at New England on Sunday, September 9th at noon central time, which means are we going to see two rookies that were drafted in the first round? I think we will. I think Sony Michelle. Now, a couple of things with Sony. He's been dealing with the, a, a knee issue apparently, and well, it didn't slow him down at Georgia. Yeah, but that that could hamper him a little bit. And you also know how the Patriots like to use their running backs. With we'll see some James White. Now they did lose Deion Lewis, so there's a good chance that we're going to see win. I don't think we'll see him every snap of the game. That's just not what a running back does anymore. Mm-hmm. Even Saquon Barkley. We'll get to him in a couple of weeks couple of minutes but a couple of weeks on the schedule but I do think we'll see Isaiah win as long as Isaiah wins healthy one thing to keep in mind was when Isaiah was at the senior bowl he had been dealing with a torn labrum and had been playing with it and then was playing with it at the senior bowl so he faced Auburn Georgia Tech Auburn Oklahoma Alabama in the first two and a half days of the senior bowl with that torn labrum right and then he dominated he dominated in one-on-ones I look over, and he's talking to Jeff Kaplan. He's got this grimace look on his face. I'm like, oh, man, a concussion? No. Find out he had a torn labrum that he needed surgery on. He was just trying to get through the senior bowl with it. And he's yeah. dominated people. So 
The question, I think, is whether we see win at guard or tackle. That, I think, is – and I think he could actually – I think he could play tackle. I, and I've, I said that. I thought he was one of the better linemen – uh, how, how, in the entire draft, and how wild is that? They lose Nate Solder and Cameron Fleming. Yeah, I mean that's that's uh, a lot to ask. Absolutely. So right I, off the bat, I, I think it could happen. I wouldn't be surprised. The question is, how much is he able to do through rookie mini camps, through OTAs? Yeah. Is he going to be ready to? I mean, if he has to jump right into training camp and just go, that's going to be pretty difficult Giddy because up. he's coming back from that labrum. So either way, Clowney, Watt, Merciless, healthy, they got to eat. Yeah, they got to eat big time because if they're if they're getting chipped, they're getting chipped by a rookie, right? In Sony Michelle, and so that they need to just feast that day. So final call, sit or see on Win and Michelle. I think we'll see both of them. All right, so C's. Next week you're at the Titans for week hmm. two. We're gonna see Honor Land. I mean Harold Landry. <laughs> I think we'll see both of them. I think both of them become instant starters. I think if one, I think Evans slots right into the Avery Williamson spot, and he starts from day one. I think Harold should. I think he'll probably be more of a pass rush specialist. I think they'll try and go with a Rackbo and Derek Morgan early, and then Landry will get involved. I think about. I think the second time we see the the Titans, mm-hmm. I think Harold Landry will be entrenched. But I think the first time he might. He might have to sit that first time because that's early in the year. We'll see him a little bit. Is a is a fair comparison as far as playing time and productivity? I'm not saying player, but is is it kind of going to be? You think like Whitney Merciless in 2012? Uh, player, they're I don't want to say they're almost identical, but their scouting reports to me were almost identical. Because Whitney came in yep. was sort of um, he was kind of called upon situationally. Right. He was I, not a, a starter, but it's he, a great he way of putting it. Had some nice success. Struggled at times. Right. Wound up with like six sacks, I think. Yeah, yeah, you you said it. You hit it right on the nose. I think that's absolutely perfect. So right. yeah, I so think we're gonna sit Landry early. Sit, okay. We're gonna see Evans, okay. And then in the second game, we'll see both on the Monday night game. All right, I'm not. We're not even gonna waste time with the giant. We're gonna see Saquon Barkley. Yeah, this guy's amazing. Yep. Next, we're not even gonna waste time on the Colts. Quentin Nelson, because <laughs> yeah, he's, he's gonna play. He's he's in. But what about the rest of the Colts? The rest of the, the impact rookies because they played so many times. And I, I think, I think those guys will all play and play significant amounts for this team mm-hmm. because they've got to see what they've got. There's a draft philosophy by Chris Bow. We're getting longer, faster, stronger. We're doing the, we're doing the whole thing. So I absolutely, without question, believe that we'll, we will see all of those rookies. Okay, as many of them in the second, third round, guys like Darius Leonard. He'll definitely see the field, no no questions asked. He'll be on the field. Uh, Jalen Holmes will be on the field. Uh, you, we know Quentin Nelson will be on the field. There's no question. They've got to incorporate those guys early, even if it means it stunts the overall win-loss progress. I think for the organization to move forward, that's got to happen. Okay. Cowboys, Leighton Vander Esch, the linebacker. I think that's, that's going to be interesting because where does Sean Lee do? What does right. Jalen Smith do? Where are those guys health-wise? Because yeah. by that point, You've played four games, and if you've watched any of All or Nothing or if you just paid attention to the Cowboys <laughs> yeah. over the last few years, Sean Lee's had, had injury problems. I mean, he's he's elite as a defender there at an inside linebacker spot, but he's he's had his, his issues. What do you think? Van Der Esch play? You see him? I think you play. I don't think he'll start. Okay. I think he starts about halfway through the year. There's still some medical issues with him. As far as that, his uh, spine situation and narrowing of the spine, whether there is one there, I kind of look at him like Miles Jack. I think 
as good an athlete as Jack was, he had the same situation. He had like three guys in front, mm-hmm. and he finally kind of weeding him, kind of working himself in. They kind of limited Pozlozny's reps, mm-hmm. a former teammate of Sean Lee. They kind of limited his reps. I think Sean was, was a little later, sorry. But either way, they limited his reps a little bit, and it just kind of got it got Miles Jack on the field more and more. And so Paul Pozlozny went from being a three-down linebacker, Jack shows up, now he's a two-down linebacker, but they had other players, and then he became really a one-down linebacker, and Miles Jack pretty much took the rest. So I think that could happen with Vander Esch with Sean Lee as well. I think he sits in. The, I think he sits in this one. I think he makes an impact for them throughout the year, but I think he sits in week five. I think by about halfway through the year, that's when he takes over. I like their pick. We're going to bust this one down, but I like their pick of Connor Williams in the second round. Yeah, that was I, thought, good for them. I thought that was smart. That was, that getting, was good this, for them. getting the strength uh, strengthened. Okay, so after the Cowboys, you play the Bills at home on October 14th. Ooh. Josh Allen, is he playing at that point? Or is McCarron just going to light the world on fire? I don't think A.J. McCarron is going to light the world on fire. I think we are, we're only in week six at that point. Right. I think they're going to want to keep going with A.J. McCarron yeah. as long as they possibly can. I think week six, week six ends up being that spot where, and I don't know where the Bills' bye week is, but I think – and this, to me, could end up changing things uh, where the Buffalo Bills bye week is because if this is the game after the bye week, then potentially he could go with Allen in this one. That's what they did when they went to San Diego last year. Mm-hmm. I think they were coming off the bye week, and they decided that they were going to go with Nathan Peterman, and that didn't go exceedingly well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, no, the the bye week is – they don't – yeah, their bye week is not – their bye week is not till wow, week 9 or 10, mm-hmm. 10 or 11, actually. So they're going to play – so they're going to play the Titans. Oh, where is it? Here we go. They go Ravens, Chargers, Vikings, Packers, Titans, then us. And then the next week is the Colts on the road. So I would imagine we're still going to see A.J. McCarron. Right. And then maybe that Colts game, but then it's Patriots after that. There's really not a good spot so Alan- for them. He's going to sit. He's gonna so sit. I think Allen's going to sit. Talking myself you. through it, I think he sits. Okay, then you go to Jacksonville. Man. It was can – um, Can you shoehorn that guy in and on that defense? I mean – I think we'll see him, but he's not. I don't think he's going to play much. I think they'll go – I think Taven Bryan is going to be a spot guy. The second time we'll see him. Yeah. I think we'll see him in a, heavy, in a heavier rotation. But he's dynamic. He can get up the field. He can do some things. But he's going to spell those guys up front. And Jacksonville last year, they'd like to keep Campbell and Jackson together as much as they could. And then they would bring in Avery Jones and, and um, I'm trying to think who else they had with him. But they had another they had another defensive lineman they would rotate with. And so, oh, Marcel Darius. Uh, duh. So, <laughs> wow. How wild is that? Yeah. Third overall I, pick I, at I one think point. Brian, I think Brian sits. Yep. But in the second matchup, I think we, we'll see plenty of him as he's kind of worked his way into the lineup. Okay, so that was at Jacksonville the next week, October 25th. Thursday night football, Miami Dolphins come to town. What do you think? Miami went with, um, oh, Minka Fitzpatrick. We'll see him. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Minka's going to be on the field, I think, day one. As long as he's healthy, I think he's on the field day one. He's going to be the glue in that secondary. Man, they got some guys back there, Rashad Jones, Xavier Howard. They got some guys that have been there. Minka's the guy that's going to get everybody lined up, everybody where they need to be. Uh, I thought it was a good pick for Miami. Uh 
getting Minka Fitzpatrick where they did. So we'll see Minka, him. we'll see him, no question. Not going to waste time on the Denver Broncos. You're going to see Bradley Chubb. That's yes. who you and I were just talking off, off air uh-huh. a moment ago. Had the Texans stayed put at four, not traded away that pick, I could see them picking up that guy. Or yeah. it, had had you still kept Deshaun Watson and you still kept right, that, that right, fourth right, pick, right. that that would have been that would have made a lot of sense for this team. Yeah, no question. The the unless you the had additions, to sign guys in free agency like you're talking true, about, true, true. Quentin Nelson there. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there were any great edge rushers that you would have done that for. I don't know, but considering that they drafted Duke Edge four and they drafted Peter Kalambayi, now those were six rounders, but. You could tell that they obviously had a needed outside linebacker. I think they would have gone with Chubb and then and then transitioned him like they did with Clowney, kind of DEO line, uh, outside linebacker, and kind of playing him as an edge guy. And, look, they're in four-man line anyways a lot of the time. So a Chubb, Watt, Clowney, merciless pass rush. <laughs> sick. That would, that would have been sick. That really would have. But didn't come to pass, and so we'll see Bradley Chubb in Denver for sure. Who will we see in Washington, or who will be sitting, do you think? No, we'll see Deron Payne. Yeah. Defensive line, Deron Payne. He, Vita Vea was taking a couple picks ahead of him by Tampa Bay, and I know that Washington had their eyes on both Vea and Deron Payne. They wanted Vea, 347-pounder that can run, former 280-pound running back in high school, which is scary to think about. Deron Payne's an athlete. He's going to step right in. He'll start from day one again. With the Alabama guys, and I, and I say this, I don't mean this is knocking on Alabama guys, but we just have seen over the history, they've come into the league beaten up. They're playing 15 games yeah. a year and just that extra football Physical for them. practices Physically, as well. Physically, yes. And so they come in a little banged up, and then, then all of a sudden you see the NFL top 100. It's Ha Ha Clinton Dix, it's C.J. Mosley, it's mm-hmm. all these dudes that are coming from Alabama. So Deron Payne, as long as he's healthy, is going to be – we'll definitely see him the week after the bye. Okay, so that – Week after the bye, you're at Washington, November 18th. Then Monday night football, November 26th, the first Monday after Thanksgiving, you've got the Titans at home. We've talked about them. Yep. And then after that, Sunday, December 2nd, you get the Cleveland Browns. Ooh. So are we going to see Baker Mayfield, and are we going to see Denzel Ward? I think on the latter, yeah. Yeah, Denzel Baker, Ward for sure. Baker at that point, I don't know. Tyrod Taylor, I think, can play. Yes, he can. I, I just think at some point they're going to want to know what they have with Baker. Yeah. Now, the 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 question becomes if if it's here here's you've only the, got five games left for the Browns at that point. Well, here's December a multitude 2nd. of questions. Number one is you, if if things are flaming out. If Baker's not, I'm sorry. If Tyrod's not the quarterback anymore, I would guess that it's flaming out for Hugh Jackson. Yeah, and I get the impression that Hugh Jackson is just not long for Cleveland. Right. I, I just for whatever reason, I just get that feel from not a lame duck, John but Dorsey. he doesn't have much uh, yeah. much time left. So I don't know if that that does any good. At that point, to bring Baker in, if they decide to go to Baker, it's it's a fait accompli. Hugh Jackson's going to be done at that point. So uh, I think by December 2nd, I think Tyrod's still part of it. That could be the last thing. I could see them being, uh, you know, like a, a, a four and six sort of thing coming into that game. Yeah. And Tyrod starts. We thump them. They go to four and seven, and they're like, let's go Baker. Okay, we're done. Yeah. We're going to Baker the rest of the year. Let's go. Okay. So I think Tyrod plays. I think Baker is going to sit. And we'll see Ward. Right. Jets, well, because you play the uh, Colts after the Browns, so we've already talked about the Colts. You're at the Jets on December 15th. Still don't know when we're playing. I'm hoping for a night game because right. it gives you more time to go out in New York City the night before. We'll probably stay yeah. in New Jersey. Yep. Jay McDevitt is in here, and he's shaking his head yes. Mm-hmm. So Jay agrees. Last time the three of us were like the uh, Wolfpack. 
roaming yep. the streets of Manhattan. Yep. Um, but on a much tamer basis because, hey, we're kind of nerds compared right. to those guys. But anyways, the Jets have Sam Darnold. I think he's going to be playing at that point, I think you? so, too. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm I mean, right there with you. As much as I like Josh McCown, I think absolutely we see Sam Darnold at that point. As much as I like Josh McCown. But I think I think the Jets are going to be continue to be better. I just don't think it's going to be to a point where they don't want to see what they have with Donald. They're going to want to see. By that point of the year, three games left, the Texans and the two after that, I absolutely think that we're going to see them. All right, so that brings us, John, to the Philadelphia Eagles on December 23rd. We, we know you finished with the Jaguars. But we talked about the Jaguars. Mm-hmm. They did not have a first-round selection because they traded back, yep. and Lamar Jackson was selected with that pick by the Ravens. But they took a guy who a lot of folks are pretty excited about in Dallas Goddard, the tight end. And why would you not see him? Because they lost a few tight ends in the No, offseason. you're right. They lost Trey Burton. They lost Brent Selleck. And they run a lot of three tight end sets, a lot of two tight end sets. They use Burton in some different ways. I don't think there's any question we're going to see Dallas Goddard. And I just love the fact that Philadelphia has a tight end named Dallas that they drafted in Arlington. Dallas that they traded Packers up to get in Arlington, in front of the Dallas Cowboys. So they went and got Dallas before Dallas. It's perfect. It's just fantastic. Heck, yeah, it's fantastic. Anytime the Cowboys get usurped on their own turf, I'm good about it. Absolutely. All right, we get back. We're going to go around the NFL. There is a seismic-like shift about to happen in special teams in the NFL. There's going to be changes coming to the kickoff. What is happening? What is going on? Well, the NFL is meeting to discuss that and some other rules. We'll talk about that next right here on Texans All Access. One final segment of Texans All Access right here in our studios at Energy Stadium, the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris. Glad to be with you this evening, this Wednesday evening. Hopefully, wherever you are, you are enjoying the night. It is Rockets Playoff Wednesday, so they take on the Utah Jazz, looking to go up 2 to nothing. Astros are playing as well. So busy evening wherever you are. Taking it in, I appreciate it. Everything, I believe, kicking off. I believe everything's starting at 7. So right at the end of this broadcast, you got a lot to look forward to. And, of course, you're driving around and you're not uh, able to get to one of those games. Keep it right here from my man Paul Gallant. Paul, he'll have you covered from 7 until 11 on this Wednesday evening. Now, let's go around the NFL And really, when I talk about going around the NFL, I'm talking about what is going on in New York right now. An unprecedented collaboration of owners, head coaches, position coaches, medical people, and an active player and a union official took a significant step towards preserving one of the game's more recognizable yet dangerous plays Wednesday morning at league headquarters. Finding common ground on a proposed rule change to make the kickoff safer. Now, if you haven't been paying too much attention, obviously, attempting to make the game as safe as humanly possible is and has been the charge of Roger Goodell for the last few years. Concussions have been a major talking point for people in sports media, but also outside of sports media. A lot of people look at the NFL and uh, it's just concussion ball. And look, the the Texans ended up losing a valued member of their organization in C.J. Fedorowicz to concussions that he suffered in 2017. And it may have had some before that as well, but he had three, I believe it was three, in 2017. 
And I just remember seeing him in that last game at Tennessee coming off the field, and I just thought, man, I, I remember thinking, man, I hope that's not I hope that's not it. But high-speed collisions, and people always say, well, it's a contact sport. No, 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 no. Basketball is a contact sport. Football is a collision sport. Now, the NFL has brought this committee together, and they're really, they're really looking at two, two things. They're looking at this, the new helmet rule, and I've seen some people comparing the, helm, the new helmet rule, using the crown of your helmet. Now, if they just would call spearing like they're supposed to, uh, the referees, then this, this would be an issue, but that's gone on for a while. So they're trying to take the, the head out of the game, the head out of contact, and to reduce, try to reduce the number of concussions. And I, I certainly, certainly applaud those efforts. I, I would like to see football be as safe as humanly possible. I am not one of those old schoolers that says, well, back in my day, we had two-a-days in full pads, in full contact all the time. I, look, you, you'd, you'd almost be stupid to think that way because the game changes. Now, if you don't like what the, the game has turned into, well, that, that's on you, and you can choose to watch something else on a fall Sunday. But me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be watching the NFL because I still love it. It's still a, it's still a grueling, violent, great game. Way I feel about it. But either way, they've they're going to have discussions about this new helmet rule. They're still trying to figure out what exactly to do and how to not only instruct teams on the new helmet rule, but also the officials as well. Now, with the kickoff, the headline or the uh, lead line of this NFL.com article says the kickoff isn't going away for the 2018 NFL season, but it will look different. Now, there have been a few proposed changes. Chief Special Teams Coach Dave Taub, who is thought to be one of the best in the league, was quoted as saying, I'm optimistic we've made changes that will make the game safer. It's crucial that everyone was involved. Football is an inflection point. Either we make the changes we have to make to make the game safer, or there will be negative consequences for all of us. Everybody realizes this is what's needed. Now, for the kickoff, there are some, there are some changes that uh, they're, they're looking at. There are a few that they're looking at. Here are some of the differences. There will be no running start or pre-kick motion by cover teams. Now, way back in the day, these you know kickers, you see them, they take that long run up to, to kick the ball off, and they've limited the distance between where the players could line up and the actual kickoff itself. So I think it, it used to be you could go all the way back to the kicker. And then you get these guys with these running starts, and by the time they got to the line of scrimmage, basically where the ball's being kicked off from, these guys are almost at top speed. So the first thought is no running start or pre-kick, pre-kick motion by cover teams, meaning everybody's going to line up on the line, kicker's going to kick it, kicks it off. As soon as the ball hits foot, then the guys can take off. So that's definitely one, that's, that's one thing. The second one is no wedge blocks by return squads. So a wedge block, now about mm, probably about seven, eight years ago, maybe maybe sooner, maybe five to seven years ago, you could have a wedge. In, either, in other words, you could you would see a lot of kickoff teams, they would bring, they would have two offensive linemen, and then they would have two other, like a fullback or a tight end type, and they would form this wedge of four people. And then the returner were kind of getting behind that wedge, and that wedge would just take people out like a tank. And just and so there was things called wedge busters, guys that went down and just 
dove in to that group, just broke up that wedge. And that would open up a lane for tacklers to get to the ball carriers. Now, a lot of times that wedge just blasted people and opened up a lane for the returner. But they did away with that. Then uh, they changed it from four. Now you could have two. It could only be a two-man wedge. You couldn't lock arms or do anything, but it could be a two-man wedge. You guys could work together. Now there will be no wedge blocks. Also, there will be a 15-yard non-contact zone from the spot of the kick with the return team required to have a minimum of eight players lined up 15 yards from the ball. The expectation is that this will not only take some of the bigger linemen off the field because there will be a premium on agility and speed, top-rate space, but also eliminate some of the violent collisions on the back end of the play. As described, the coverage will resemble what's normally seen on a punt rather than a traditional kickoff. Packers president Mark Murphy said the kickoff is on a quote-unquote short leash because of the dangers associated with it. Rich McKay, who's on the competition committee, said players sustained 71 concussions on kickoffs the last three seasons with at least a third stemming from wedge play. So that gets that wedge play out of there. So the kickoffs, and this is to start in 2018. This is a seismic shift type change for special teams on kickoffs without a doubt it is real I mean it's almost going to be like a free kick and there's going to be no no run I mean that's where the collisions come from and I'll be honest with you people I I hold my breath every kickoff because I'm seeing those collisions up close and man I've seen some collisions and I'm like how is that guy going to get up and then some guys just pop right up and go right back over to their sideline and I'm like Whoa, man. I, I just it's so it's so fast. And these players are so big. And you got guys that are two forty five, two fifty, and they've got a head of steam and here they come. I like the fifteen yard non contact zone from the spot of the kick. I like that because the the collisions really come in when you get a guy going to that next level. You got the, the fullbacks or or tight ends kind of at the the next level, and those guys are getting a running start, and the uh, return team players are getting a running start, and ho-wham, those guys are just getting waylaid. I mean, there's a collision. Oh, my goodness. So I, as as crazy as it sounds, as much as a football guy, as much as I love the physical aspect of it, I agree with Dave Taub. Either we make the changes we have to make to make the game safer, or there will be negative consequences for all of us Everybody realizes this is what's needed. And that's why I I think once they put the kickoff in play like this, and they've made these changes going forward for 2018, I think they'll continue to tweak it. I do think they'll want to keep the aspect of a kickoff in the game. I mean, I think about those moments before a game when the game is about to start. And I look around. I look around NRG, and I just see all the the flash bulbs. I just from all the phones that are in, the picture bulbs uh, that are going off at the kickoff. I mean, I don't think they'd want to lose that. I think if they can continue to tweak it and tweak it and tweak it until they get it right. Now the colleges are doing something a little bit different. The colleges have now if you catch the ball in the end zone, take a knee, touch back, okay. But the colleges. If you catch the ball now between the one, the goal line, and the 25, 
and you make a fair catch, no matter where you are, you make a fair catch, the ball will be put where a touchback is. So you can be inches away from the pylon in the very corner, but in the field of play, make a fair catch, catch it, the ball will go to the, to the touchback spot. Just, like, just as if you caught the ball in the end zone. So it's not just the NFL that's making these changes. College football is making these changes. And we've seen them, uh, you know, over the last few years, the changes within the games. This is, that was uh, what the college teams had come up with. I'd imagine they're going to see what the NFL does with this. They may incorporate that in 2019 and beyond. But the NFL knows what's at hand. Concussions, 71 of them in the last three years. And I've seen, I've seen a couple of them. Corey Moore in the Chiefs game, he had a concussion. Uh, by a guy that was coming across that Corey never saw and just knocked him out. And so Corey was out of that game. I remember Curtis Drummond in 2015 against the Titans going down, and he kind of got spun around, and then somebody coming back in to make the tackle ran into him, and he was down for, for a good long time. That was that was kind of that was scary. But Curtis got up, and he ended up uh, playing – uh, the remainder of the season after missing, uh, I think, the rest of that game. I think maybe the next one was a bye week. So he was able to go after that. But, man, that was – whoo, I was I was scared on that one. So the kickoff, that's a, that's a moment. And, look, if the Texans do this thing right offensively, there should be a lot of kickoffs. But they've made the changes, the automatic touchback, but then you started seeing teams – that would say, look, we want them to return it. And so they would they would pooch that thing right there by the pylon and force the runners to have to run it back. So the colleges said, look, if you make a fair catch, we'll just put the ball to touchback spot. That will eliminate some of the returns and maybe a lot of the returns in college football. And we'll see how these changes impact the collisions that they're experiencing at the NFL level. So the NFL working on the, the kickoff rules – going forward so we'll obviously keep our eyes on that and how that's going to impact the game we'll talk to Bill O'Brien and see what he thinks and obviously see what Brad Seeley thinks next time we get a chance to talk to him about these changes when enacted for the 2018 season last piece of news out the door obviously pales in comparison to the safety that the NFL is looking for on kickoffs but players not receiving 50-year options from teams the Jags Dante Fowler, Jags said no. The Bears, number seven pick in the 2015 draft. Kevin White, option not exercised. Shane Ray, also outside linebacker, pass rusher for the Broncos, not exercised. Of course, pretty pretty much assumed that was going to happen when the Broncos drafted Bradley Chubb. So just a few of those names that more than likely could be free agents at the end of this year. Dante Fowler, the Jags want to bring back, but... They're going to have to pay Yannick Ngakwe here pretty soon because Ngakwe is a dude. And Fowler can be that guy. He just hasn't uh, through the first part of his career. My hope is he has an okay year. He leaves and goes to the NFC and then turns into a great pass rusher. That would be awesome. I like Dante Fowler. Um, I just don't like him with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So not exercised. So I'm sure he's going to have something to prove this year playing opposite Yannick Ngakwe alongside Clays Campbell and Malik Jackson. All right, folks, that's the show. Appreciate Mark and Drew for stopping by. Mostly I appreciate you guys for listening. You are the best. From the guys back in studio at Sports Radio 610, tip of the cap to you. Thank you so much, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow. The General, John McClain, will be on Texans All Access. You definitely want to tune in. Thank you again for listening. We'll see you then. And as always, go Texans.